Missouri's defense hits rock bottom, and it costs Jethro Franklin his job. I guess the question is, can Steve Wilkes possibly be far behind? Plus, it is fair to finally start questioning something about Eli Drinkwitz's approach, especially on that defensive side of the football. All this and more right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball each and every weekday. And thank you so much once again for making me your first listen of the day and make Locked On Cardinals your second listen of the day if you're a St. Louis baseball fan. My boy, Lucas Smith, a Mizzou alum, a true son himself. He's got you covered with everything leading up to that important, important wild card game. But you know what? The reason you're here is for the Tigers, and obviously you're well aware that Missouri got embarrassed on Saturday, quite honestly. But how bad was this beating? How bad was the Missouri defense on Saturday? Well, I've got some context for you. In fact, This is just the third time since 1938 that Missouri's defense allowed 28 points in the first quarter of any football game. In that quarter, Tennessee never faced a third down. They had 161 rushing yards, averaging over 15 yards per play. In fact, Tennessee finally faced a third down in the middle of the second quarter, and they connected on a 35-yard screen pass to take into the house. That is the most one lopsided defeat for the Tigers since Gary Pinkle and that 2008 team lost the Big 12 championship game in Arrowhead Stadium to Oklahoma 62-21, to and it's the most points given up by the Tigers at Faroe Field since 1932 when they lost 65 to nothing to the Texas Longhorns. And maybe the most telling stat of all is that Missouri's defense so far just against the rush is dead last among Division I teams, 130th out of 130, and by far last, by the way. The team that's 129th, well, Missouri's giving up nearly 50 yards per game more than that team is per game. So this isn't just the worst run defense in the country so far statistically. It's that by a pretty good margin. So guess what? When you're that bad and you're paying your head football coach $4 million, you've got a sparkling new end zone facility and all kinds of new spending planned for the future, well, as the office's Michael Scott might say, you need to find an escape goat. And that escape goat in this scenario was Jethro Franklin, the Missouri defensive line coach. Now, you know things are going bad when Jackie Ship outlasted Jethro Franklin by quite a ways. Now, you might remember Jackie Ship, former defensive line coach at Missouri during Barry Odom's first season. Well, that relationship went south so quickly that Ship didn't make it 
through that first season with Barry Odom. But you know what? At least he made it till November. You can't say the same for Jethro Franklin. But to be honest, if I'm being brutally honest, this seems like a move of slight desperation by Eli Drinkwitz. Because right now, I don't know how you can look at Steve Wilkes and say that he's doing a good job either. I mean, again, 130th in the country by a solid margin against the run? That's absolutely inexcusable. You can say that Barry Odom's last couple recruiting classes didn't leave a lot in terms of defensive talent after Nick Bolton, Josh Bledsoe, Tyree Gillespie, after those guys moved on. Well, that's a fair point, but you shouldn't be this horrendously bad. I'll admit that watching the game live at Memorial Stadium, I thought that Steve Wilkes mixed up the defense a good bit, and I just thought, man, we are just out-talented completely, and there's nothing we can really do about it. But having the opportunity to actually go back, watch the all-22 footage that I took from that game, watching it in painstaking detail, hey, this is why I get the big bucks, and you listen you listen to me do this show so I can do that kind of fun labor for all of you. But, but seriously, though, you go back and you watch it, and actually, Wilkes, his adjustments were, were mind-boggling. First of all, the big adjustment was, hey, let's play three-three-five defense. Let's play three down linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs. But here was the problem. Wilkes didn't actually play an extra linebacker. He didn't take out a defensive lineman and put in a a safety or a linebacker. No, he just simply put one of his interior defensive linemen, Makai Wingo, often a true freshman, by the way, and also Jartarian Hansford, a, a veteran defensive end who hasn't gotten a lot of action this season, but they were the ostensible middle linebackers in this formation, and all they ever really did was just rush toward the line of scrimmage. So if you're Tennessee, how is that an adjustment? How is that a wrinkle that you actually have to prepare for? It would have been one thing if you put Martez Manuel in that spot or perhaps Jelani Williams, Stacey Brown, an extra safety off the bench. You know, maybe you are able to confuse Tennessee and and do something there. But to me, the confusion that I saw was actually on Missouri's part. You saw on several occasions free safety Jalen Carlisle and Sean Robinson talking to each other, trying to get lined up, often switching between who is going to play the slot, who is going to play in the middle of the field. And to me, against Tennessee, against a team that hurries up that much, well, you've got to simplify your defense. This is a classic, classic debate. Do you either mix it up, hey, we're being too simple. A lot of people are saying right now that Ohio State needs to mix up their coverages more. Well, right now I think Missouri's got to simplify it because they looked confused last week just getting lined up. And we'll talk more about that, but first I want to tell you quickly about prize picks. Yes, prize picks is the place you want to be for college football propositions because they have more props than anyone in the world, especially when it comes to not only the star players of the Power Five, but also some mid-major players that most of your casual fans have never even heard of. But heck, 
you're a college football expert, right? At least in your own mind. Well, go prove it at Prize Picks. Throw some money down. All of our users that deposit and use the promo code locked on will receive an instant 100% deposit match up to $100. Once again, just be sure to use the promo code locked on. Don't hesitate. Check out Prize Picks today or go to the App Store on your phone. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And by Made In. Hey, I've got a question for you. How does your favorite restaurant consistently make such delicious food? Well, quite simply, they have access to the right kitchen tools. And with Made In's professional quality cookware and kitchenware anywhere, anyone is capable of making restaurant quality food at home. So if quality and craftsmanship are important to you, you should check out Made In. Made In is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, and yes, this is my favorite part, wine glasses. So right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with the promo code locked on. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. So once again, go to madeincookware.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for 15% off your first order. So if you happen to watch the Ohio State and Oregon ball game from a couple weeks ago where Oregon went in to Columbus, stole that ball game from the Buckeyes, well, a lot of the post-game chatter around Ohio State was that their defense is too simple. All they do, for the most part, is run either a cover one man defense, which means one safety deep, everybody else plays man-to-man in front of that guy, or they play a cover three zone, which pre-snap looks extremely similar to that. Again, one safety in the middle, except you're just playing a zone defense, just to put it as simply as I can. So for me, the ironic part of this is I was actually begging in the pregame lead up to the Tennessee game, that's actually exactly what I wanted Missouri to do. Because not only, I think, is there a great argument to be made that Missouri does need to simplify things defensively, but especially for the opponent, especially for a Josh Heupel offense that wants to speed up, wants to speed up everything you do, get you confused at the snap, get you out of alignment at the snap. Well, to me... Missouri just needed to, regardless if you want to agree with the type of calls that I wanted Missouri to make, they just needed to make a call and stick with it. Too often in this football game, I saw guys pointing around, switching spots defensively. Again, especially Jalen Carlisle and Sean Robinson. You know, just line up somewhere. Leave Carlisle in the middle of the field. Sean, you stay in the box. You play the slot, whatever it might be. But this whole thing of why are we so confused at the snap of the ball? We should know what Tennessee is going to do because really their offense, while very effective, not exactly very complicated. We remember this as Missouri fans from the Heupel days. can obviously be very effective when it gets running, but there shouldn't be a lot of surprises here. Now, of course, the opposite side of the classic debate, hey, simplify your defense. 
well is, of course, to mix it up. And certainly Steve Wilkes decided to mix it up by throwing a 3-3-5 into the, into the fold here. But again, if that's the best you've got, a 3-3-5 where your true freshman defensive tackle and your seldom-used upperclassman defensive end are now playing a linebacker-type position, I just think that's a recipe for disaster. And I, I just don't understand that adjustment whatsoever. If anything, it just seemed like over and over again, I, listen, I'm not saying the Missouri's defensive line was good in that ball game whatsoever because they weren't. They weren't good in that game. But I got to be honest, I thought they, the interior in particular got pushed off the line even harder against Boston College. So to me, Jethro Franklin truly is just the scapegoat here. I don't know why he in particular has to be fired when Steve Wilkes, to me, did nothing to help out his defensive line. Because you noticed at times when Missouri would actually commit to putting seven, eight guys in the box to actually outman the volunteers at the line of scrimmage, well, they had some relative success stopping the run. You saw when Tennessee would get inside the 5-10 yard line and stubbornly kept running the ball inside the tackles, well, Missouri had some relative success there. And the only reason is because they finally had enough guys. Because while certainly Missouri, you can say, well, they need to start winning some one-on-one battles. Well, fine and dandy, they absolutely do. But when over and over again you would see basically six guys at the line of scrimmage and Tennessee would often have six guys at the line of scrimmage with a tight end. But even if it was five, because they have that that run threat on the back end of the play with the quarterback, well, often you'd see Martez Manuel or whoever it would be would have to hesitate, be unblocked, and just make sure that on the backside of the play, Hendon Hooker didn't keep the ball. So the point is, just over and over again, Tennessee had the numbers in the running game. It wasn't as though Missouri was bringing extra pressure or putting a bunch of extra guys in the box in order to force some downfield passes down the sidelines like I was hoping for, or even just some screen plays to the outside. Make them throw some now now screens with, with, you know, ostensibly bad numbers for the defense. I'd rather see that and tell our defensive backs, hey, you guys are just going to have to get off some blocks and make a play on occasion because we can't just let them run for 15 yards a carry. That just can't happen anymore. So to me, Steve Wilkes, you got to, got to, got to, got to put some extra guys in the box. This is very simple. But to me, I'm, I'm surprised not only that that wasn't the adjustment, but the adjustment that he made was some bizarre three-three-five with not exactly the fastest guys in the world being the interior of it. Th- that adjustment just made absolutely no sense to me. So while so far it looks like Jethro Franklin is to Jackie Ship, he's he's basically the the Eli Drinkwitz version of that, well, let's hope for Steve Wilkes' sake that he's not Eli Drinkwitz's version of DeMonte Cross. By the way, I heard some people on the broadcast may have insinuated that Missouri gave up 
especially on the defensive side of the ball. Well, there was one play in particular that circulated online. I definitely retweeted it at my Locked on Mizzou account, where it sure looked like Ennis Rakestraw gave up at the end of a touchdown run that made it 35-10 Tennessee. So let's take a look at that play coming up. But first, I do want to tell all of you about our good friends at Built Bar, who not only are a scholarship waiting to happen if you're on the BYU football team, but they're also the makers of the best protein bar of all time. And even better for this week right now, a limited time flavor, cookie dough chunk. I've got a box in my cupboard as we speak. I ate one before I started recording this podcast, in fact, and it really is just kind of the perfect snack. When you're feeling lazy, you don't want to cook something, well, Throw a Built Bar in your gym bag. Perfect for a little fuel. Also, they're tasty. They're healthy with high protein, low cal, low sugar, low carbs. Yeah, that's what you want to hear. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Now, if we think back to the Kentucky game just for a minute, early in that football game, Missouri gave up a long jet sweep run, about 65 yards, that would have certainly been a touchdown if it weren't for the hustle of Ennis Rakestraw. He came from all the way on the other side of the field, way downfield, showed good speed, obviously, to run down the player, but thankfully... You know, ultimately, Kentucky gets a touchdown anyway. But still, really good hustle by Rakestraw to possibly force at least a field goal attempt there. Or, or you know, you never know, a turnover. The point is, you got to make those tackles to see what happens. Similarly, 94-yard touchdown by Tennessee in this ball game makes it 21-3 volunteers. Well, Rakestraw ran his butt all the way downfield, dove at the guy's ankles, Didn't make the play this time, but the hustle was there. So that makes it all the more disappointing to see when Missouri trailing 28-10. Valus Jones takes a screen pass, wide receiver screen on the inside. And, you know, a couple missed tackles by Missouri. And, you know, frankly, it looked like Rakestraw had an angle to make a play there, at least make a a diving attempt at a tackle. But he kind of just pulls up and sort of follows him into the end zone seemingly for the last 10 yards or so, essentially just running at his heels. I mean, he's almost, his his cleats are almost hitting the back of Valus Jones' cleats. They really are. So that was obviously a horrible effort by Ennis Rakestraw and one that to me should probably sit him on the bench for maybe at least the first half next week against North Texas. Frankly, if they sat him out for the whole game, I'd be okay with that. That's just inexcusable. But again, I don't want to kill him for one play entirely because I think Rakestraw has shown, again, like I pointed out before, I think he has shown good hustle for the most part. But I just saw a kid who was definitely, he, he he was disheartened. He was tired of, 
chasing down runners 30, 40 yards downfield. And frankly, who could blame him for being a little disheartened? But you know what? You can't do that. You can't. You can't let your teammates down like that, even if they're letting you down by missing tackles at the line of scrimmage. You have to hustle. You have to do that. So to me, Ennis Rakestraw has probably got to learn a tough lesson this week, but after hopefully he learns it, I think you throw him back out there and say, hey, we forgive you. Everybody deserves a second chance. You've been a solid player for us so far. At the very least, he's played hard for Missouri. Other than that one play, and again, a bad play, but... Certainly not unforgivable, just one of those things you got to learn from and an example I definitely would set for the entire club. And finally, let's just recap what Eli Drinkwitz has done on the defensive side of the football so far since coming to Missouri. Well, in 2020, his first season, he decided, let's try to fix this offense. I'm the offensive guru, but... The defense was solid, so let's bring that unit back. We'll bring back essentially every defensive coach we have, including the defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters. Well, after one season, apparently Eli was unsatisfied. Easy to say, hey, I didn't hire this guy. I didn't hire these these assistants. Let's try something else. So Ryan Walters, bye-bye. Brick Haley, goodbye, the former defensive line coach. All these guys sent packing. A whole new group of new coaches come in, and, well, a month into the season, you've already fired your defensive line coach. You have the worst run defense in the country by a wide margin, and there's really no sign that Steve Wilkes has done, frankly, anything well as a defensive coordinator so far. So what do you do at the end of this season? If this trend continues, can you possibly bring Steve Wilkes back? Well, if you fire him, bring in a new guy, we might give you one pass, right? You might get one pass just like Barry Odom mostly did. All right, DeMonte Cross didn't work out. We'll bring in a new guy. Ryan Walters mostly worked out for the Barry Odom regime. Why maybe it didn't work with Eli? That's maybe a topic for another show. But at this point, if Eli, that's one reason why I think Jethro Franklin was the scapegoat, right? Because you don't want to pull that card already. You just hired a new defensive coordinator, the highest paid assistant in Missouri history. You don't want to admit the error this quickly. You want to say, Hey, what the heck? Give him some time to turn it around. And maybe he will, but so far it's not giving you a lot of, of indication that it's going to happen. Now, the problem is if you have to get rid of Steve Wilkes, now I think you got to ask yourself, what do I really want? I, if I'm Eli Drinkwitz, I think I've got a pretty good idea of what type of offense that I want. And I think I'm doing a fairly decent job of doing it. But defensively, what does Eli Drinkwitz want in a coordinator? What type of defense does he want to have? Because so far, it just seems like he's throwing darts at a board and just hoping one happens to hit the bullseye. We need more of a focused approach than that. But you know what? Speaking of focus, if you want to focus on every other team in the Southeastern Conference along with Missouri, well, if I were you, check out all your daily SEC news in less than 30 minutes 
with SEC expert Chris Gordy. Make that your second listen of the day, and thank you once again for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen each and every weekday. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou. Thank you.